and welcome back to another episode of reading Harry Potter with an 11 year old. Now today we are going to be reading Harry Potter obviously and the Philosopher's Stone by JK Rowling, the third chapter, the letters from no one. Um, if you watched my previous episodes and if you haven't please do, this is pretty much always going to be the same thing. Everyone deserves to listen to some Harry Potter, no matter what age, what race, um, how poor you are, how rich you are, it doesn't matter. Um, everyone just deserves to listen to some Harry Potter. Um, and please, I think there are a few random people following me. Um, I'm not sure because I've told a lot of people in my community to listen to my podcast and it seems that I'm getting more people looking at my podcast than that. So if you're one of those people who don't actually know me in real life interaction, please send in a voice message or just anything really to let me know. And in your voice message, please, well, pretty much this is to everyone, please let me know what my errors are, um, what I should do. Please leave a rating and a review down below. Um, and without further ado, let's listen to some Harry Potter. Okay, let's start. Um, I might read a little bit slower than usual in this episode. Please let me know if it's good or it's bad. And... You know, because I'm only 11 and my mum recommends me to read slower. So, (laughs) yeah. Chapter 3. The Letters from No One. The escape of the Brazilian boa constrictor earned Harry his longest ever punishment. By the time he was allowed out of his cupboard again, the summer holidays had started and Dudley had already broken his new sign camera, crashed his remote control aeroplane, and, for the first time, on his racing bike, knocked down old Mrs. Fig as she crossed Privet Drive on her crutches. Harry was glad school was over, but there was no escaping Dudley's gang, who visited the house every single day. Piers, Dennis, Malcolm and Gordon were all big and stupid. But, as Dudley was the biggest and stupidest of the lot, he was the leader. All of them were quite happy to join in. Dudley's favourite sport, Harry hunting. This was why Harry spent as much time as possible out of the house, wandering and thinking, wandering around and thinking, about the end of the holidays, where he could see a tiny ray of hope. When September came, and he would be going off to secondary school, and for the first time in his life, he wouldn't be going with Dudley. Dudley was going to a play. At uh, Dudley was going to, sorry, Dudley had a place at Uncle Vernon's old school, Smeltings. Piers Polkis was going there too. Harry, on the other hand, was going to Stonewall High, the local comprehensive 
Dudley thought this was funny. They stuffed people's heads down the toilet first day at Stonewall, he told Harry. Want to come upstairs and practice? No, thanks, said Harry. The poor toilets never had anything as horrible as your head down it. Might be sick. Then he ran, before Dudley could work out what he said. One day in June, Aunt Petunia took Dudley to London to buy his smelting's uniform, leaving Harry at Aunt Mrs. Figg's. Mrs. Figg's wasn't as bad as usual. It turned out she'd broken her leg over tripping one or it turned out she'd broken her leg tripping over one of her cats, and she didn't seem to be quite as fond of them as before. She let Harry watch television and gave him a bit of chocolate cake that tasted as though she had had it for several years. That evening, Dudley paraded around the living room, fam uh, living room for the family in his brand new orange uniform. Smelting boys wore maroon tailcoats, orange knickerbockers, and a flat straw hat called boaters. They also carried knobbly sticks, used for hitting each other while the teachers weren't looking. It was supposed to be a good training for later in life. As he looked at Dudley in his new knickerbockers, Uncle Vernon said gruffly that it was the proudest moment of his life. Aunt Petunia burst into tears, and she said that she couldn't believe it was her ickle duddykins. He looked so handsome and grown up. Harry didn't trust himself to speak. He thought two of his ribs might have already cracked from trying not to laugh. There was a horrible smell in the kitchen next morning when Harry went in for breakfast. It seemed to be coming from the large metal tub in the sink. He went over to have a look. The tub was full of what looked like dirty rags swimming in grey water. What's this? he asked Aunt Petunia. Her lips tightened as though he always, as if he did, wait sorry, her lips tightened as if they always did if he dared to ask a question. As they always did. Your new uniform, she said. Harry looked at the in the bowl again. Oh, he said. I didn't realise it had to be so wet. Don't be stupid, Aunt Petunia, said Snap to Aunt Petunia. I'm dyeing some of Dudley's old things grey for you. It'll just look like everyone else's when I'm finished. Dad, uh, Harry seriously doubted this, but thought best not to argue. He sat down at the table and tried not to think about how he was going to look on his first day at Stonewall High. Like he was wearing bits of old elephant skin, probably. Um, Dudley and Uncle Vernon came in, both with wrinkled noses because of the smell from Harry's new uniform. Uncle Vernon opened his newspaper as usual, and Dudley banged his smelting stick, which he carried everywhere on the table. They heard a click of the letterbox and a flop of letters on the doormat. Get the post, Dudley, said Uncle Vernon from, the pa from behind his paper. 
Make Harry get it. Get the post, Harry. Make Dudley get it. Poke him with your smelting stick, Dudley. Harry dodged the smelting stick and went to get the post. Three things lay on the doormat. A postcard from Uncle Vernon's sister Marge, who was holidaying in the, on the aisle right. A brown envelope that looked like a bill. And a letter for Harry. Harry picked it up and stared at it, his heart twanging like a giant elastic band. No one ever in his whole life had written to him. Who would? He had no friends. He had no relatives. He didn't even belong to the library, so he'd never even got rude notes asking for books back. Yet it was here, a letter addressed so plainly there could be no mistake. I'm sorry guys, I just have to deal with something outside. My sister's doing something. I'll be back in a sec. Okay. May have been five seconds for you, but it's been about ten minutes for me. Doesn't matter. So, we're going to continue reading. Um, hopefully there'll be no more stomping outside my room. Um, let's continue. Yet, it was here, a letter, addressed so plainly, there could be no mistake. Mr. H. Potter, the cupboard under the stairs, for Privet Drive, Little Winning, Surrey. The envelope was thick and heavy, made of yellowish parchment, and the address was written in emerald green ink. There was no stamp. Turning the letter over, his hands trembling, Harry saw a purple wax seal bearing a coat of arms, a lion, an eagle, a badger, and a snake surrounding a large letter H. Hurry up, boy! shouted Uncle Vernon from the kitchen. What are you doing? Checking for letter bombs? He chuckled at his own joke. Harry went back to the kitchen, still staring at his letter. He handed Uncle Vernon the bill and the postcard, and sat down and slowly began to rip the yellow envelope. Uncle Vernon ripped open the bill, snorted in disgust, and flipped over the postcard. Marge is ill, he informed Uncle Junior. Ate a funny whelk. Um, said Dudley suddenly. Dad! Harry's got something! Harry was on the point of unfolding his letter, which was written on the same heavy parchment as the envelope, when it was jerked sharply out of his hand by Uncle Vernon. That's mine! said Harry, trying, trying to snatch it back. Who'd be writing to you? sneered Uncle Vernon, shaking the letter open with one hand and glancing at it. His face went from red to green, faster than a set of traffic lights, and it didn't stop there. Within seconds, it was the greyish-white of old porridge. P-P-Petunia! He gasped. Dudley tried to grab for the letter and read it, to read it, but Uncle Vernon held it out of his reach. Aunt Petunia looked curiously and read the first line. For a moment, it looked as though she might faint. She clutched her throat and made a choking noise. Vernon! Oh my goodness! 
Burden! They stared at each other, seeming to have forgotten that Harry and Dudley were still in the room. Dudley wasn't used to being ignored. He gave his father a sharp tap on the head, and with his smelting stick. Sorry, with his smelting stick. I want to read that letter, he said loudly. I want to read it, said Harry furiously, as it's mine. Get out. Both of you, croaked Uncle Vernon, stuffing the letter back inside its envelope. Harry didn't move. I want my letter, he shouted. Let me see it, demanded Dudley. Out, roared Uncle Vernon, and he took both Harry and Dudley by the scruffs of their necks and threw them into the hallway. Into the hall, slamming the kitchen door behind them. Harry and Dudley promptly had a furious but silent fight about who would listen at, at the keyhole. Dudley won. So Harry, dangling from one ear, laying on its, his glasses dangling from one ear, lay flat on his stomach, trying to listen at the crack between the doorsteps and floor. Between the door and the floor. Vernon, Aunt Petunia said. Aunt Petunia was saying in a quivering voice, "Look at the address. How could they possibly know where he sleeps? You don't think." They're watching us. Watching, spying, might be following us, muttered Uncle Vernon wildly. What should we do, Vernon? Should we write back? Tell them we don't want... Harry could see Uncle Vernon's shiny black shoes pacing up and down the kitchen. No, he said finally. No, we'll ignore it. If, we don't get an, if they don't get an answer, yes, that's best. We, don't, we won't do anything. But... I'm not having the one in the house, Petunia. Didn't we swear when we took him that we'd stamp out that dangerous nonsense? That evening, when he got back to work, Uncle Vernon did something he'd never done before. He visited Harry in his cupboard. Where's my letter? said Harry, the moment Uncle Vernon had squeezed through the door. Who's writing to me? No one. It was addressed to you by mistake said Uncle Vernon shortly. Um, I have burned it. It was not a mistake, said Harry angrily. It had my cupboard on it. Silence! yelled Uncle Vernon, and a couple of spiders fell from the ceiling. He took a few deep breaths, then forced his face into a smile, which looked quite painful. Uh, yes, Harry, about this cupboard. Your aunt and I have been thinking, you're really getting a bit big for it. We think it might be nice if you moved into Dudley's second bedroom. Why, said Harry. Don't ask questions, he snapped, snapped his uncle. Take this stuff upstairs now. The Dursleys had four bedrooms. One for Uncle Vernon and Aunt Petunia. One for visitors, usually Uncle Vernon's sister March and one where Dudley slept, and one where Dudley kept all his toys and things that he wouldn't fit into his first bedroom. It only took Harry one trip to move upstairs, to trip upstairs, to move everything he owned from his cupboard to this room. He sat down on the bed and stared around him. Nearly everything in here was broken. The moth, the month-old sun camera 
was sitting on top of a small working tank Dudley had once driven over the next door's dog. In the corner was Dudley's first ever television set, which he put his first foot which he put his foot through when his favourite TV program had been cancelled. There was a large cage which had one which had once held a parrot. Dudley had swapped with the school for a real air rifle, that which was up on a shelf with all the. Uh, where are we up to? Which was up on the shelf with all bent, all bent with the end all bent, because Dudley had sat on it. Other shelves were full of books. They were the only things with the room that looked as though they had never been touched. From downstairs came the sound of Dudley bawling at his mother. I don't want him in there. I need that room. Make him get out. Harry sighed and stretched out on the bed. Yesterday, he'd given anything to be up here. Today, he'd rather be back in his cupboard with that letter than up here without it. The next morning, everyone was quiet. Dudley wasn't shocked. He'd screamed, whacked his father with his smelting stick, been sick on purpose, kicked his mother, and thrown his tortoise through the greenhouse roof, and he still didn't have his room back. Harry was thinking about this time yesterday, and bitterly wished he'd opened the letter in the hall. Uncle Vernon and Aunt Petunia kept looking at each other darkly. When the post arrived, Uncle Vernon, who seemed to be trying to be nice to Harry, made Dudley go and get it. They heard him banging things with his smelting stick all the way down the hall. Then he shouted, There's another one! Mr. H. Potter, the smallest bedroom, number four, Privet Drive. With a strangled cry, Uncle Vernon leapt from his seat and ran down the hall, Harry right behind him. Uncle Vernon ran to wrestle Dudley to the ground to get a letter from him, which was made difficult and by the fact that Harry had grabbed Uncle Vernon around the neck from behind. After a minute of confused fighting, in which everyone got um, got hit a lot by the smelting stick, Uncle Vernon had straightened up, gasping for breath, with Harry's letter clutched in his hand. Go to your cupboard! I, I mean, your bedroom! He wheezed at Harry. Dudley, go! Just go! Harry walked around and around his new room. Someone knew he had moved out of his cupboard, and and they seemed to know he hadn't received his first letter. Surely that meant they'd try again. And this time, he'd make sure they didn't fail. He had a plan. The repaired alarm clock rang at six o'clock in the morning, the next morning, and Dudley turned it off quickly and dressed silently. He mustn't wake any of the Dursleys. <coughs> he stole downstairs without turning on any of the lights. It, he was going to wait for the postman on the, of the corner of Privet Drive and get the letters for number four first. His heart hammered as he crept across the dark hall towards the front door. Harry leapt into the air. He trotted on something big and squashy on the doormat. Something alive! 
Lights clicked on upstairs, and to his horror, Harry realised that the big squashy thing, something, had been his uncle's face. Uncle Vernon had been lying at the foot of the front door in the sleeping bag, making sure that Harry didn't do exactly what he'd been trying to do. He shouted at Harry for about half an hour and then told him to make go, make him go. Then told him to go and make a cup of tea. Harry shuffled miserably into the kitchen. By the time he got back, the post had arrived right into Uncle Vernon's lap. Harry could see three letters addressed in green ink. I want, he began, but Uncle Vernon was tearing the letters into pieces before his eyes. Uncle Vernon didn't go to work that day. He just stayed at home and nailed up the letterbox. See, he explained to Aunt Petunia through a mouthful of nails. If they can't deliver them, I'm sure they'll just give up. I'm not sure that'll work, Vernon. Oh, these people's minds work in strange ways, Petunia. They're not like you and me. Uncle Vernon was trying to knock in a nail with a piece of fruitcake Aunt Petunia had just brought him. On Friday, no fewer than 12 letters had arrived for Harry. As they couldn't go through the letterbox, they had been pushed under the door, slotted through the sides, and if through, even forced through the small window in the downstairs toilet. Downstairs toilet. Uncle Vernon stayed at home again. After burning up all the letters, he got out a hammer and nails and boarded up all the cracks around the front and the back doors, so no one could go out. He hummed, tiptoe, tiptoe through the tulips as he worked, and jumped at small noises. On Saturday, things began to get out of hand. Twenty-four letters to Harry found their way into the house, rolled up and hidden inside, and handed Aunt Petunia through the living room window. While Uncle Vernon had made a furious telephone calls um, <coughs> to the post office, while the dairy and the dairy trying to find someone to complain to, Aunt Petunia shredded the letters in her food mixer. Who on earth wants to talk to you this badly? Dudley asked Harry in amazement. On Sunday morning, Uncle Vernon sat down at the breakfast table, looking rather tired and rather ill. But happy. No post on Sundays, he reminded them happily as he spread marmalade on his newspapers. On his, as he spread marmalade on his newspapers. Hmm? That's what it says in my book. Um, I don't get that. Tell me if you get that. Because I might not be reading it in the correct contents. But it says, no post on Sundays, he reminded them happily as he spread marmalade on his newspapers. I don't get that. Anyway, continue reading. No damn letters today. Something came whizzing down from the kitchen chimney as he spoke and caught him sharply. As he spoke and caught him sharply on the back of the head. Next moment, 30 or 40 letters came pelting out of the fireplace like bullets. The Dursleys ducked, but Harry leapt in the air trying to catch one. Went a bit squeaky there. Um, Uncle Vernon seized Harry around the waist and threw him into the hall. 
when Aunt Petunia and Dudley had run out with their arms in their, over their faces, Uncle Vernon slammed the door shut. He could hear letters still streaming into the room, bouncing off the floors and walls. That does it, said Uncle Vernon, trying to speak calmly, but pulling out great tufts of his moustache at the same time. I want you all back here in five minutes, ready to leave. We're going away. Just pack some clothes. No arguments. He looked so dangerous with half his moustache missing that no one dared to argue. Ten minutes later, they had wrenched up their way through the boarded doors and they were in the car, speeding towards the motorway. Dudley was still sniffling in the back seat. His father had hit him around the head for holding them up while he tried to pack his television, video and computer in his sports car, in his sports bag. They drove. And they drove. Even Aunt Petunia didn't dare ask where they were going. Every now and then, Uncle Vernon would take a sharp turn and drive them in opposite direction for a while. Shake him off. Shake him off. He would mutter whenever he did this. He didn't, he didn't stop to eat or drink all day. By nightfall, Dudley was howling. He had never had such a bad day in his life. He was hungry. He'd missed five television programs he'd wanted to see, and he'd never gone so long without blowing up an alien on his computer. Uncle Vernon stopped outside at last, at last outside a gloomy-looking hotel on the outskirts of a big city. Dudley and Harry shared a room with twin beds and a damp, musty sheets. Dudley snored, but Harry stayed awake, sitting on the windowsill staring down at the lights of passing cars and wondering. The, uh, they ate stale cornflakes and tinned, cold tinned tomatoes on toast for breakfast the next day. They had just finished when the owner of the hotel came over to their table. Excuse me, but is one of you Mr. H. Potter? I've only got about hundred of these at the front desk. He held up a letter so they could read the the ink, the green ink address. Mr. H. Potter, room 17, Railview Hotel, Cookworth. Harry made a grab for the letter, but Uncle Vernon knocked his hand out of the way. I'll take him, said Uncle Vernon, standing up and following her from the dining room. Wouldn't it be better to just go home, dear? Aunt Petunia suggested timidly hours later, but Uncle Vernon didn't seem to hear her. Exactly what he was looking for, none of them knew. He drove into the middle of a forest, got out, looked around, shook his head, got back in, in the car, and off they went again. I hope you're enjoying this podcast so far. I just stopped it halfway through the story just to give you a quick, let's say, reminder. Please make sure to subscribe and follow me on Spotify. And please make sure to watch and check out my other episodes of Harry Potter. Now, please make sure to leave a rating and a review, and I would really appreciate it. 
if you could tell me where my errors are sitting at and what I need to do to improve. It would also be nice to leave some voice messages, as I said in my intro, to let me know if there are some random people in the community. Now, I really don't know how this is going to turn out. Like, I think I'm just going to do this randomly, like maybe once every day, then two days, then three days, then back to one day, then maybe five days, one week, then one day. You know, it's, it's just random all around. Um, and you know what they say, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all. But if you do have something nice to say, leave it in the form of a rating and a review. I would really, really appreciate it if you could do all those things, and I don't want to waste any more time. Let's continue reading Harry Potter. Okay, let's see. There's not much left. Only about one page. So, that reminder wasn't really worth it, but who cares? Let's continue. Wouldn't it be better just to go home, dear? Aunt Aunt Petunia suggested timidly hours later. But Uncle Vernon didn't seem to hear her. Exactly what he was looking for, none of them knew. He drove into the middle of the forest and got out, looked around, shook his head, got back in the car, and then went off again. The same thing happened in the middle of a ploughed field, halfway across the suspension bridge at the top of a multi-storey car park. Daddy's gone mad, hasn't he? Dudley asked Aunt Petunia dully late that afternoon. Uncle Vernon had parked at the coast, locked them all inside in the car and disappeared. It started to rain. Great drops beat on the roof of the car. It's Monday, he told his mother. The great Humberto's on tonight. I want to stay somewhere with a television. Monday. This reminded Harry of something. It was Monday. You could um, you could usually count on Dudley to know the days of the week because of television. Then tomorrow, Tuesday, was Dudley's or was Harry's eleventh birthday. Of course, his birthdays were never exactly fun. Last year, the Dursleys had given him a coat hanger and a pair of Uncle Vernon's old socks. Still, you weren't eleven every day. Uncle Vernon was back and he was smiling. He was also carrying a long, thin package and didn't answer until, uh, he didn't answer Aunt Petunia when she'd asked what he'd bought. Found the perfect place, he said. Come on, everyone out. It was, it was very cold outside the car. Uncle Vernon was pointing to what looked like a large rock out to sea. Perched on top of the thing, it was the most miserable little shack you could ever imagine. One thing was certain, there was no television in there. Storm forecast for tonight, said Uncle Vernon gleefully, clapping his hands together. And this gentleman kindly agreed to lend us his boat. A toothless old man came ambling up to them, pointing with a rather, rather wicked grin, an old rowing boat bobbing up in bo- boat, bobbing in the iron grey water below them. I've already got us some rap- rations, Uncle Vernon said, said Uncle Vernon. So all aboard. 
It was freezing in the boat. Icy sea spray. Icy sea spray and rain crept down their faces, crept down their necks, and the chilly wind whipped their faces. After what seemed like hours, they reached the rock, where Uncle Vernon, slipping and sliding, led the way to, into the broken-down house. The inside was horrible. It smelled strongly of seaweed. The wind whistled through the gaps in the wooden walls, and the fireplace was damp and empty. There were only two rooms. Uncle Vernon's rations turned out to be a packet of crisps each and just four bananas. He tried to start up a fire, but the empty crisp packet just smoked and shriveled up. Could do with some of those letters now, eh? He said cheerfully. He was in a good mood. Obviously, he thought nobody stood a chance of reaching them here in a storm to deliver the post. Harry privately agreed, though he knew that it didn't cheer him up at all. As night fell, the storm promised the promised storm blew up around them. Spray from the high waves splattered at the walls of the hut, and a fierce wind rattled the filthy windows. Aunt Petunia found a few mouldy blankets on the second room, and she made a bed for Dudley on the moth-eaten sofa. Sofa. She and Uncle Vernon went off to the lumpy bed next door, and Harry was left to find the softest bit of floor he could find, and could curl up to the thinnest, most ragged blanket. The storm raged more and more and ferociously as the night went on. Harry couldn't sleep. He shivered and turned over, trying to get more comfortable, his stomach rumbling with hunger. Dudley's snores were drowned by the low rolls of thunder that started near midnight. The lighted dial of Dudley's watch, which was dangling over the edge of the sofa on his fat wrist, told Harry that he'd be eleven in ten minutes' time. He lay and watched his birthday, his birthday tick nearer, wondering if the Dursleys would remember him at all, would remember at all, wondering where the letter writer was now. Five minutes to go. Harry heard something creak outside. He hoped the roof wasn't going to fall in, although he might be warmer if it did. Four minutes to go. Maybe Privet Drive would be so full of letters when they got back, he'd be able to steal one somehow. Three minutes to go. Was that the sea slapping hard on the rock like that? And two minutes to go. What was that funny crunching noise? Was it the rock crumbling into the sea? One minute to go, and he'd be eleven. Thirty seconds. Twenty seconds. Ten. Nine. Maybe he'd wake Dudley up just to annoy him. Three Two, one, boom! The whole shack shivered as Harry sat bolt upright, staring at the door. Someone was outside, knocking to come in. So that's all for today. Um, dramatic ending. If you haven't read Harry Potter yet, it gets even better than this. Trust me. Um, so that's going to be all for today. I really hoped you enjoyed this chapter of Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. 
the letters from no one chapter three we're going to be reading chapter four in maybe two or three days one or the other not sure but anyway as i said in the reminder and the intro i'm just going to recap um another time please make sure to follow me on spotify because that's obviously where you're listening well at the time I'm recording this, it's only av- my podcast is only available on Spotify. So, if you're listening to this on Spotify, please follow me if you haven't already. Leave a, re- a review, a rating, and a voice message down below. It would also really, really help with constructive criticism and, you know what they say, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all. But if you do have something nice to say, leave it in the form of the ratings and reviews down below. Can't release to, to release another episode, guys. Um, if you haven't seen my previous episodes, go check them out. Go to my podcast, Reading Harry Potter with an 11-year-old. Um, I really, really hope that you enjoyed. And I guess I'll see you until I read another chapter. Um, I really enjoy doing these. I'm not doing this for any purpose at all, except to have fun. I'm not adding in any sponsored segments at all it's completely clean i promise and if there was a sponsored segment you'd see it because they would come up with an ad but i'm not using sponsored segments so um i'm just doing this for fun i'm being completely honest i'm doing this for fun my passion is to read harry potter to someone as i said in my first podcast episode my sister doesn't doesn't want to read harry potter So, why not read Harry Potter to some six-year-old, other six-year-old out there? So, that's going to be all for today. Really hope you enjoyed. If you want to see my other podcasts, it's Reading Harry Potter with an 11-year-old. And I guess I'll see you to the next episode. Bye.